On this week's episode of Bet the Process, we're going to have props. Everything you want to know about props. Rufus is the arguably the king of props or used to be the king of props. So getting a little snapshot into his mind will help you guys all win a lot of money. Um, we'll also obviously be talking about the game itself and who we like in the game. And we'll be talking a little bit about some questions from Twitter that we got. And we'll actually answer them this time, which we don't always do. As always, the Brett the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app, the Action Network app, the best action app to actually follow sports betting and follow your picks and follow the games, etc. So it's free on the Google Play Store and the App Store. So get it and with that let's start the process bet 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 the process bet 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 the process welcome to the podcast bet the process it's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense if you came just for picks you're in the wrong place find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking we're looking for the edge of massy peabody rankings crunching all the numbers in the simulated system that break down the data analytically driven media coverage and sports gambling is pathetic the welcome to a very special edition of the bet the process podcast uh, it's the it's the prop edition. I assume that this is going to be one of your favorite episodes um, outside of the Masters. The Masters was sort of like your favorite one. I feel like is this? Are you excited for this? I, I am excited, but the Masters one didn't turn out so well. So let's let's hope. Well, it just this didn't turn out well out. from a results standpoint. Yeah, I mean the actual podcast was really interesting. Everyone actually really liked. It. I talked to a bunch of people that really liked the podcast that we did last week, where or two weeks ago, where we we talked about. Um, your whole big thing with DraftKings. Yeah, apparently people Can you give an update on that? Um, well, the update I can give is that basically since the class action lawsuit has been fought, was filed by some, I forget the guy's name, but um, I don't even know how many people are in it, or I think these are people with lower bankrolls. But since that was filed, they've completely gone silent. So we, we were... As, as you would expect them to, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm still... You're um, not part of that class action lawsuit, are you? No, definitely not. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want any part of that. I think that, given given my position was a lot stronger than a lot of these other these other people, I think that it would just kind of hurt me, and that's kind of what my counsel said. But I'm I'm still hopeful. Hey, I'm not allowed to say that. We're we're uh, th- these are confidential matters, Jeff. Got it. Well, that would be the natural. That would be what people guess since we've had Jeff Ifra on the podcast before. So anyways, I'm not saying anything that's privileged that I know. Anyways, and I digress. Let's move on to uh, Super Bowl. Super Bowl's here, Rufus. Is that exciting to you? It is. It's it's more exhausting than anything, but it was it was a little Des- more exciting last week. Describe to me what Super Bowl week looks like, or at least what it looks like once the you get you get to Vegas and what happens at that point? So I got to Vegas the Saturday of conference championship weekend and watched the games of the Westgate. And basically after the last game finished, first thing I did was go and, and updated my database with the new data, the new play-by-play data, and started running all this code to basically crank out new projections, updated projections for teams. And then I went through and and I mean, I, I did Massey Peabody stuff, and and but then I went through and did projections for you know all these player stuff that, and the problem is, I don't do this every week. This is something at this point that's a once a year thing, so it, it's it's not the most fun thing in the world to go through all this old code you wrote years ago and, right. and just updating like being like, okay, we're going to 2018 week 21, 2018 week 21, but I basically I do that and and generate um try to generate projections for basically everything so then i mean that's done over the course of so i have a quick question in in, in your um you said you ran massey p buddy did you run game grades because i'm curious about are the patriots playing at a level above like the perception is that they're playing at a level above what they played in the regular season is that true i did not run game grades and Kay just asked me about that yesterday as well i i, I honestly it just i overlooked it too busy skiing and whatnot. That's skiing is this week, and this this was a, a trip that also involved betting props in Reno. Nice. Did you yeah. find some value in Reno? 
I did some some extreme value. However, the limits were also extremely low. Did they know who you were when you were trying to bet these like limit bets on these props? No, they just. I mean, they didn't say anything if they did, but you know, one of the the what is it called? The Carson Valley Inn only gave me two hundred dollar limits, and that's <laughs> I mean that's because that's all they give to anybody. But they had yeah. Brady at lined at plus two and a half completions against Goff. That seems like really good value. Yeah, they also had the under. What do you what do you make that What do you make that line should be? Um, I don't even know exactly, but I know that I have Brady with about one point eight or two more completions than than Goff for the game. I didn't even yeah, need how to would, go. Translate how would they that. How would they come to a line that seems like that off? Right, no like idea. especially completions. It's like everyone knows that the Patriots will throw a lot of short passes. Right, I mean that's their mo. My other favorite was they had just this sort of combination. They had total interceptions lined at at two with the under at minus 210. And they had under one and a half fumbles lined at one or under one and a half fumbles at minus 185, which, you know, the under two interceptions is fantastic. And under fumbles is fantastic too, but that's, you know, a little bit more widely available. But then they also had a prop on total number of turnovers lined at two with the over at minus 135. Now, you don't have to be a prop expert to to realize that there's, you know, that that those those lines taken as a whole do not make sense. They don't. Did you ask? Did you ask to speak to the bookmaker? Because it seems like this might be someone that would be interesting to talk to. It's like a one man operation there. The same guy that put in the bets went and moved the line after, and then you know. That's awesome. It was it's pretty cool actually. That is awesome. Where was but this? At, the Carson Valley Inn. Yeah, in in Carson City, Nevada. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So how so you flew into Reno and then drove to Mammoth? I did. How far is a drive? How far a drive is that? Three hours. And I'm gonna drive from Mammoth to Vegas tomorrow. Wow. How far is it from Mammoth to Vegas? Five hours. Interesting. Yeah. Is the conference over? It's 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 a ski trip, Jeff. It's not a conference. No, but the people like presented stuff and things like that, right? Oh, first off, the listener has no idea what you're talking about. But um, this, this, Rufus, this describe where trip, you are right now. I'm I'm at I'm at Mammoth, at the Westin Monash re- Resort Hotel thing. Um, I was skiing the last two days, and I'm at this sort of get together with uh, some other professional gamblers and and quote advantage players. So that's most of these people are, are doing um, or playing cards and and sort of slot hustling and and you know, the whole bonus abuse, that kind of thing. What is some sports betters is mammoth some crypto. Isn't mammoth in California? It is. So there's no gambling there, right? No, no. This is just sort of a get together. What's slot hustling mean? Um, well, I'm not an expert in this, but it's finding, I think, slot games that are positive expected value in certain situations based on you know, if there's a progressive and and it's it's almost like when the lottery uh remember the the mega millions jackpot thing when it got to like a billion dollars and it was actually positive expected value yeah because it was a progressive jackpot well a lot of slot machines are the same way oh there's slots at this at this place you're at there's no slots here either jeff this is just people talking (laughs) i'm so confused yeah um it's question what friends i'm like do. looking at i'm like looking at so this is gonna be a non total non sequitur i'm I'm looking at the uh the prop bets and w- will there be a flea flicker is no is minus 200 that's that's gotta Whoa. be value right of course wh- wh- who's booking that nowhere in vegas i'm not telling you till i get my bet down <laughs> is it my bookie it's a uh, bovada.lv um, ah. i think that's a new casino that's right off the strip I thought it was in Lat. It was a Latvian casino. It might be. Okay. Anyway, so, so you're so at this thing. Yeah. We'll, but and and so now you're going back to Vegas. And yes. What what did what are you going to end up doing? So I, I interrupted you. You said you're in town. You run all the stuff. Then you I start run running stuff. around town and betting. Yes. And and you know you look through all the apps and basically. But but the the big thing the first well, it used to be the first to open was the Westgate Thursday evening at seven p.m. But a lot of places in recent years have have opened sort of like actually full prop sheets before that, and and that was the case this year as well. Basically, it's it's being um, there was a lot of time spent going and funding funding my funding apps, cashing tickets, getting ready, 
and then just the whole hustle of, of trying to trying to bet these openers when they come out. And so basically, Jeff, the way it works is that all the betting, you do a lot of betting early on, right when these lines come out, because the bookmakers misprice some of these lines, sometimes um, pretty horribly. So let, I'll give you a few examples here. Um, let's see. Looking through my prop list. So number of Rams with a rush attempt opened at five with, and it was not very heavily juiced. And I make, I didn't even think I would see a number higher than four, four and a half, which I made like over minus 200. Like I made the under four and a half at minus 200. So I like bet that um, there was, I go through some of these apps like, Oh, South point. Um, they, they, booked. How, do you, how do you, what's the process by, do you like literally just go through all of the bets on all the apps and there's no, you don't like do any searches or anything like that. You just have to go through all of them. Yeah, you do. And you, and you kind of know what you're looking for. So I'm not going to look immediately through the, the, the sort of first props listed, which are like, which team will score first, which will team will score first in the second quarter, which team will score last. Like, will the team that scores first wins like those are formulaic, based on the spread and the total and they're especially with a game that's pretty evenly matched like the spread in this game is two and a half you know that's not that hard to price and, and given 30 cent lines you're not really going to find value there but uh but so so I'll, I'll tend to try to look at the player stuff or the or the things that are a little harder to price so the number of of rams to attempt a rush isn't as easy to price i mean you can go through and think about it like you have cj anderson and todd Gurley that'll get carries and so should Jared Goff. So that's three right there. Uh, Robert Woods likely too. That's four. Then Brandon Cooks, you know, unlikely, but it's a possibility. Josh Reynolds, unlikely, but it's a possibility. Backup quarterback, um, very unlikely. You know, Ooh, like a Johnny Hecker Johnny type. Hecker? Johnny Hecker, also very unlikely, but it's a possibility. But so then I basically have projections for number of rushes for each of these and I in a distribution of that. And so I run simulations and I'm able to actually come up with a, with a number there. And so that's one that I think that it's harder to price, you know, much harder than something like which team will score first. But but there's some other ones that, that I, you know, that I don't understand why they're so mispriced. For example, will there be a roughing the passer penalty that opened it with the no at plus money at the South point. And there's a roughing, there've been, I think 118 roughing the passer penalties this season. Is that, I think that's right. Um, in 265 games and last season was pretty similar. And so, you know, you can model, you know, it, they're generally pretty random. I mean, people will say, Oh, well, you know, it's more likely that a roughing the passer will be called against Tom Brady because he's Tom Brady. And you know, well, the especially if they like do that cahoots with the refs. Thing, like they did that last game where they just barely touched his, his helmet. That's yeah. But the other thing is also in general, I mean, obviously they called that last or two weekends ago, but Refs tend to swallow their whistles more in the playoffs. I mean, actually, the incident a few weeks ago now, I mean, it, it makes some sense, but their penalties are, are called at a much, much lower rate in the postseason than during the regular season, and that's been the case for, for many, many years. So would you say, like, generally any under-penalty bets is is a pretty good bet? Well, it used to be... The books didn't used to really pick up on that. So they would open something at like 12 and a half or 13 penalties accepted. And it would, you know, I'd be like, damn, that should be minus 230 on the under or something like that and just pound the under. But but this year, they're right around where they should be. I have it right around like, I think I have each team in the like 5.3 to 5.4 range. So 10 and a half total penalties is what I've seen lined. If, if you have if, if you have a Latvian book like Bovada, you might see some some rogue numbers. You'll probably see some really inflated numbers, and you could, I, th- I would think, with Bovada, you could literally just bet the under on every prop, and you'd have a great portfolio. Hmm. But then because you it's probably, a square book, so it's square a square book, book. Just bet the under. Yeah, they're. I mean, they know that all the the public is going to come in and bet on overs. They're going to bet on things happening. They're going to bet on big long shots, and so they want to they want a portfolio where um, where they have a big edge, and and by inflating those numbers they're going to do that did you um what bets you mentioned a couple but what bets had the most value at open that you saw so the ram number of rams with a rush attempt under five was just one one. let's see i'm I'm at openers um (laughs) there's a there's a number of typos in donald trump 
tweets on Super Bowl. <laughs> so to be honest, they're you know the props this year were, and I think it kind of happens every year, sort of moving Wait, this direction. But this year, over, how can we not bet over what? a half on the number of typos in Donald Trump's tweets on the Super Bowl? It's plus two seventy. Don't you think he's going to have a typo? I mean, it's it's. I don't a, know, Jeff. The ma- the maximum risk is ninety two dollars and fifty nine cents, but. But generally, when you ask me a question and then you start talking about something else before I've answered the question, it makes it hard to know what to focus on. So do you want me to focus right. on the Donald Trump tweet or do you want me to focus on on props with good value? And, and Props with good value. And, and I'm value sorry. The it's okay. That, that I'm, totally, I'm totally fine with the Donald Trump conversation. I just, it's okay. Um, but there isn't quite as much value as there used to be on openers. I think, you know, anybody that bets for a living will agree with you on that. Okay. It's unfortunate. So then what about um, other sort of bets that you're on right now? Are there, are there any, ones, any, any other ones that you found value on? Not necessarily openers, but ones that you found value on during the week? I mean, like yeah, what percentage I mean, but, of, I guess what percentage of your portfolio do you have down right now, would you guess? So I'd say 70% of it is down. Oh, most of, and is this going to be less volume than the past few years because of just the l- lack of value? And you, you kind of bitched about uh, the efficiency of the markets now because people can just bet on apps. So I can get just as much volume, but the the issue is it's just not at as great of an edge. And so I think a lot of it's going to depend on on what happens with some of these um, numbers into next weekend. I mean, there normally there are a lot of opportunities to bet unders and bet on um, things like no safety, basically what are called cliff jumper props, because if you lose, you know, hopefully you're not near a cliff because you're betting a ton to win very little. So, but generally what I do is I'm betting, betting openers or as close to openers as I can get betting like in other sharps are doing this betting lines into place. And then there's sort of the waiting game where, you know, you can go up to Reno and get the low hanging fruit there or drive to Mesquite or, Go down to law. I don't think there's any independence in Laughlin anymore. Or I know people that are going to Mississippi and New Jersey because those books have pretty square lines. There's a lot of there's some independence there, but mo- for the most like part, we used to do back in the blackjack days, we'd go to like these obscure blackjack <laughs> places. No, we would. We go to like Tunica yeah. and um. What should what should there will be? A, what should the safety bet be? Wait, wait. The no I'm seeing at, on uh, Chris's minus eleven forty four. Well, that's. I mean, that's still a good bet, but but I wouldn't bet it there because it's going to get better. But Jeff, what I was going to say is that you're, you know, as you, you play this sort of waiting game and then come the weekend, you sort of, you know, the public is going to sort of bet these numbers out of place. Like for, they're going to they're going to bet overs on on players. They're going to bet on Tom Brady. They're going to bet that there will be a safety, that there will be a defensive or special teams touchdown, that there will be overtime. But my theory on this is that, well, first off, the public always likes overs because they like reading for things to happen. But the other thing is that the par- the public loves to parlay bets, but you can't really parlay prop bets. The Westgate has two pages that they allow you to parlay, but those are all things that are completely independent. So the public, to get a payoff like a parlay, are going to be attracted to these sort of long shot bets. And so... The betting on a safety, um, the safeties occur in one out of every 16 or so NFL games, yet the public is going to bet on safety, bet that there will be a safety at five to one and six to one. And you can bet against a safety. You know, you'll probably be able to lay eight to one, lay minus 800 on it in Vegas on Super Bowl Sunday. You know, no special teams defensive touchdown. I think it should be minus 298. You know, you, I've been laying minus 210, minus 200. It might be even better. We'll see. Right. Um, that's interesting. So those are the ones that you'll wait to bet, basically. Yeah. If if I see a good number pop up, I'll, I'll bet it now. Like I've bet a few no overtimes at minus 800 and minus 900 because I'm not 100% sure I'll get better than that. And because I know it's a really solid edge. But for the most part, I'm going to wait because I know that there's a very good chance those numbers get better. What is the no overtime? What should that number be? Um, it should be, let's see. About seven percent. My actual what SB about game props tab. Let's see. The championship round went to overtime. See, I think that's that's really good because that provides. I mean, p- the public is going to remember that and bet on yeah, on the overtime and, and think that it's right. That's this why there's bias. value there. I'm sure. 
But in previous years, up until, you know, there never been a Super Bowl that went to overtime until the New England Atlanta Super Bowl two years ago. And so there, there, you used to not be able to get anything better than minus 1,000 on no overtime. But after, after that, and then after these two conference championship games that went into overtime, I think the public thinks that overtime is a little more likely than it actually is. What, what's the, what would be the true number for a, a two-and-a-half-point spread? For a two and a half point spread, yeah. For overtime, yeah. Um, let's see, I don't have it right on me, but I would still think around seven percent. The seven percent, so that's you don't have to be one hundred percent exact on this. Um, yeah, so roughly minus thirteen hundred or so on the no. Got it. Nice. My doc for overtime. Ah, so here we go. Okay, so I have this actually minus twelve fifteen is the number I make it for this game. So that, let's that's, talk a little that's a standard formulaic thing based on based on the spread. Yeah. Right. So let's talk a little bit about how much does that vary actually? If if this were like a 14 point spread, what would what would the number be? Say, okay, I'll change the number to 14. Minus 2368. So pretty big, pretty big, right? 96% versus 92.4%. Still decent. Um, let's move to player props because that's kind of, I think, let's talk a little bit about the process by doing player, how you do player props. So I, I've always sort of done this sort of top-down approach in a way for for modeling team level stuff. So basically I'm first modeling out the number of plays each team runs, then the number of dropbacks for the quarterback, what like is a percentage. And so, for example, I mean, you know, both of these teams have run the ball fairly often, or they've been, I don't want to say they've been running teams, but they haven't really been extreme passing teams. They've been pretty average in that regard. But a lot of that's due to the fact that they've also been playing with leads a lot. So I, I compare a team to their baseline, the baseline given um, the situation for each play they were in all season. So, you know, if they're down 10 points in the fourth quarter, you know, maybe it's a 75% probability of passing in that situation or something, you know, but if you're up 10 points, you're probably maybe like 65% to run on like on a first down. So I'm um, because obviously both teams aren't going to, you know, both teams have been playing with a lot of leads, but it's unlikely, you know, you know, one team is probably going to be playing from behind here. So, um, so I, I do that. I, I generate like drop back percentage. Then I look at like scramble percentage, sack percentage, and, to get a number for pass attempts and then you know what's the completion percentage where you know what percentage of targets are going to go to different positions and what's the completion percentage on those targets so it's very top down there and i end up getting projections for all these um sort of game level stuff so for example you know the patriots will have 25.5 completions on 38.5 attempts for 287 passing yards and 2.1 touchdowns and 0.63 interceptions, something like that. Is that um, is that what the real numbers are? And that's what's in my little. That's I, I have that written down somewhere. Yes, <laughs> it's subject to change though. And but what, the what, thing what is, so that? with the player props, well, what will change? What that's a good question. Me, me doing more research. Yeah, but this is like this is actually where the art comes in, right? Like, and so what will the research tell you? Like, oh, you know, maybe you're reading that in in games that uh, Belichick faces uh, quarterback from UCLA, he tends to throw more, or well, or you look at like McDaniel's tendencies in games like this or something. I don't know. Like, yeah. I guess what you what in this case was where's the art? I mean, the art really comes more from when you're trying to figure out some of these like shared backfield yes. situations, right? Yes, that's one. But there also is art in terms of trying to figure out if the Super Bowl is fundamentally a different game in certain regards than a regular game. So on average, um, since 2000, Super Bowls have had seven more points scored in the second half than the first half. Yet generally the line on first half score, you know, scoring against second half scoring is um, – you know, it's it's a pick or second half minus a half a point. Although there's been recent years because of this trend, you know, you're getting you can get a big plus money price on on for the first half there. But the question is, you know, overall, far? that's well. So I mean, obviously the number isn't second half minus seven. So the market doesn't think it's seven points fundamentally 
but but there is a statistically significant effect there. Now that doesn't mean it's actually a real effect. That still could mean that it's randomness. And so the well, question there is the, how so much. What would be the inherent reason? What, what would we come up as the inherent reason? So there are narratives out there. The narratives are that teams are a little more conservative in the first quarter because they're nervous. It's the Super Bowl. They don't want to lose it. Um, and and then there's also the fact that the there's an extra long halftime, which so the, 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 those are the narratives I know of. Well, and the other narrative, right? And, and this is something that I think we're starting to understand is that when game when teams are down, when games are whatever, people start becoming much more optimal <laughs> in what they do and their play calling and their decision making and whatnot. And that optimal thing tends to increase scoring, right? If we pass more. If we go for it more, that's going to increase scoring. So that's if you, true. If you play that out to say, like in the second half, these teams that are down, you know, they they really start to play more optimally. And and let's just say, like the the maybe the, the teams that are up because of the Super Bowl also play more optimally because you know they're they're not going to get conservative in that situation. That could be one theory. But why why would they get conservative in the first quarter but not the second half? Well, I I just think that things get magnified in the second half, and in the first half, they're they're like running a script. They're you know playing to the game. They're probably I mean I don't know. You could look and see what what's the run pass mixture, or you know they, they're just going to be more conservative in the first half. Like this whole notion now that I think is fascinating. And I was talking to your partner in crime, Kate, about this um, earlier this week when I met with them. I was just talking about this notion that that we understand now that that teams just don't play optimally in situations like the whole that whole idea of you know that Kevin Cole was talking about with teams down 6 versus teams down 3 at the end of the games the teams down 6 are going to play much more optimally and that that difference may even dispel the difference of of points there right like this idea that teams I I think to me like I I've never completely understood it why 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 Super Bowls were generally higher scoring? I mean, there's a lot of effects, right? We talked about like the buy, the longer halftime, all this kind of stuff. And I think I'm pretty convinced now the effect is is real. It's statistical and real. Is it? I mean, are Super Bowls overall higher scoring in general than than average games? I didn't actually look specifically at that. I did I, look at that's you know. that's always the narrative that I've heard. So I've never done that specifically and looked to see. But like the narrative is that it is, and like. The totals have always seemed to indicate that. I mean, they're they're also obviously played indoors often in perfect conditions, so that will also you know cause a, a you know a correlation to to higher scoring. Well, you, you know what I found though, Jeff, which is interesting, is is that I found that teams actually pass more in Super Bowls, and it's actually quite statistically significant as well. And so right, that's controlling that, that, for that's controlling for the teams playing, that's controlling for the weather, and but wouldn't it's that also for the game situation? Wouldn't that also feed into my theory? Yes, I'm supporting your theory. Thank you. If they do that, the question is, are they doing that? I didn't break that down into a first half versus second half, but it would stand to reason, given the fact that there's been more points scored in the second half than the first half, that it's that the effect is probably accentuated in the second half. But okay. I found that it's like an 8% effect or something. But here's the question, Jeff. We're dealing, my sample size here is 38 team games. You know, it's, the effect is significant, but it, doesn't mean you know do i expect that effect to persist at an eight percent level how much is that caused by the fact well, that that's you know, probably the that, Patriots. Right? to what the number should be right but that's what that's kind of some art there you have to figure it's out like how, saying, much, how much to regress it yeah and you can you can run things with different assumptions so saying okay let's say there's no effect let's say i mean this effect and there's continues. there's a world there's a world where this effect could become even bigger because the world is understanding the the value of passing versus running and you're you're you know the leagues are becoming even more pass happy so like that you know like that effect or that impact could become even bigger but jeff we're talking about a super bowl specific effect wouldn't you think i mean if if, if teams become more pass happy which they are shouldn't that 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 should be it you know, not just the Super Bowl, it should be the conference championships, the divisional round. No, yeah, I get it. But I guess I guess what I'm saying is that like yeah, I mean you're saying the baseline will be higher, so therefore the 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 difference will become, you know, muted a little bit. But I don't know, maybe. Right. Like I'm um, control I'm controlling for my projection here for for the fact that, 
you know, in historical projections of these teams, like the fact that it is the Patriots playing and I do have them projected it, you know, X pass percentage. Let's talk a little bit about specifics in this game. Um, you know, you have the CJ Anderson, Todd Gurley situation. I, I read something today where, where like people think CJ Anderson is playing better than Gurley. What, what do you think the, how do you project the share to happen between these two? That's so that's something that is very difficult to do, obviously, because I don't think anybody really truly understands what's going on. You can try to read between the lines and, and the quotes, like when Todd Gurley said he was, you know, he was playing sorry and he didn't deserve to play. And I don't know. I mean, you don't normally hear things like that, but I'm, I mean, I, I've simulated it out with the simulated it. I can't even say that word now, simulated it out with a few different sort of in a few different possible worlds. But what I, th- I think, um, but I, I don't really have any extra insight that anybody else doesn't have. I'm just asking think. you your opinion. <laughs> okay. It's so hard to ask you questions sometimes because you don't give me an answer and you'll talk about the pro like, I know we're called bet the process, but at some point you want to have like a result here. That's that's fair. Okay, so I, I have him um, at about only twelve rushes. So, yeah, CJ Anderson at twelve rushes. No, 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 Gurley. But wow, that's not very many rushes. So I'm you're going to be. Under- I'm high on the Rams' passing attack in this game. You're going to be. Sure, un- you're going to yeah. be under on Gurley, huh? Maybe it depends on what the number is. You know, I'm waiting, waiting for it to go higher. Right. I've, t- I've taken some unders in the seventies when it's popped up there, but. I mean, I'm not going to, the thing is there's so much uncertainty here that, you know, I think normally my advantage comes from the fact that I do a lot of work and right. you know, I have a good, you know, I do, I have a good, um, I don't want to say math model exactly, but you know, I, I adjust for opponent. I figure out the proper DK regress to the mean, use a prior, et cetera, et cetera. And you can't really, that goes all, that all goes out the window here. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the Patriots backfield situation? I know last year I remember you like called me and asked me like what what I thought would happen in this situation where we really have like three a three-headed monster now. Yeah. What do you project out Sony? How many how many carries do you think Sony will have? And don't forget James Devlin. I've Sony yeah. at 16 carries. So I think this is a so I think recency bias plays a big role here in the fact that the Patriots ran, I think, 94 plays last week, which is probably one of, if not the highest number any team has run all season. And so I think the Patriots only be rerunning on average 65 plays this week. So I think that you do see some of these Patriots running back numbers a little overinflated. And they ran they ran that many plays because they converted so many third downs, essentially, right? They did. They they stayed on the field a lot, and Kansas City had some quick sto- scoring drives. Yeah. Okay. So, let's yeah. uh, let's move let's move on to the Twitter questions. Um, my question was a bunch of people asked about MVP. I'm guessing that there's not really any value on the MVP. You know, I took Gurley at like sixteen to one. Huh. No running back has been the Super Bowl MVP in like over 20 years, I believe. But at the same time, the best running back performance during that time was James White two years ago, which was quite good. But at the same time, Brady broke all these passing records, so they gave it to him. But can you remember, can you think of any amazing running back performances in the Super Bowl, especially running the ball? I mean, not in recent times, I can't. I mean, John Riggins had a really good really good Super Bowl, didn't he? At some point, but I mean, modern history. I mean, I think That's there's maybe a bit of a recency. <laughs> there's a recency effect here that, like, that Tony you know, Dorsett must have had some. Years. Emmett Smith must have had some good ones. Yeah, but nothing in the last twenty years, really. And so, yeah, that's that's. A, so you're saying that because of that, there's all of a sudden this value now on running backs because people just don't can't can't envision them having a good enough, you know, Super Bowl to be the MVP. I, I think that I think that's possible, and I think Gurley's also very high variance here. If he comes back fully healthy and plays well, and they win, yeah, I'd be afraid of the I'd be afraid of the girly unders. But I mean, I th- I think that that's probably why there's value there because people are envisioning you know Todd Gurley who is who's great, and so they're not thinking about the the Todd Gurley that that has been the Todd Gurley of of late. Well, Jeff, I'm hoping thinking that C- C.J. Anderson's fat. I'm hoping. 
I mean, they're not thinking that. They're knowing that. But I'm, I'm hoping Gurley, Gurley just goes off and that C.J. Anderson doesn't get any playing time because I have so much on, on C.J. Anderson, no touchdown. And really? C.J. Anderson under like 12 rushing attempts. Yeah. So you're a big, you're a big under on C.J. Anderson. Yeah. I just don't see a world where 12 is the right number on his rushing attempts. And just looking at these possible scenarios where things continue like they were last week versus something more akin to what Gurley had like you know during the regular later portion of the regular season. And you know, it's my numbers basically just show Gurley is a big or not Gurley, CJ Anderson is like more than a two to one underdog to score a touchdown. But as I said, like I'm not as confident as I would be in something uh where in something where there wasn't all this unknown and, and all this information that really nobody has a good idea of and information that I can't model. I mean, there's, and, and I'll tell you, there's some offshoots from this too, Jeff. Like you have, um, you have uh, Gerald Everett, the tight end for the Rams who has gotten 61% of his team's offensive snaps in the last, in the last four games, which are the CJ Anderson games compared to 44%, the four games before that. So he's obviously CJ Anderson is not a pass catcher. So Everett's getting a lot more snaps, um, and especially in the passing game, if Anderson plays. So, you know, if, if Gurley goes back to being the Gurley of old and Anderson's not very involved, Gurley's going to get a lot more, um, going to run a lot more routes and you'll see fewer snaps for Everett. So, I mean, this is the kind of like deep digging you kind of have to do. I like it. I like it. So you think, so, but then in that case, and this, this actually like is, um, in line with one of the Twitter questions, so we can kind of jump into those. But this idea that you're constructing a portfolio, so like part of this thesis, right, is that if you don't think that there's a lot of CJ Anderson, you know, one of the things maybe that you do to hedge that is if you think there's value on some Gerald Everett overs, does is that how you think, or are all these independent bets? I they're they're generally independent bets, but at the same time, yes, you do want to you want to limit your liability in certain situations. And I do have some, some Everett overs as well. And Got it. yeah, over two, laying like minus minus one twenty, minus one thirty. I have him at two and a half receptions. So yeah. But in general, the, you know, I don't, I'm putting, I'm putting a lot of money down and I want to be as diverse as I can, but you know, there's a lot of people in Vegas that a lot of sharps or AP people that go around just trying to arb stuff when when these books come out with their with their prop bets because unlike you know regular uh, unlike betting sides and totals there's no real don best screen to compare all these props so you know you'd have to everybody can log into the westgate app or you don't even have to log in you just have to download it and see what their props are but if they move you know is you know some book in podunk nevada going to be looking you know, every minute and, and seeing this and, and moving on air, probably not. So th- there are ARB opportunities that pop up, but I tend to not, I don't know. I'm personally not happy that there's all these people just trying to get ARBs because it makes the market more efficient. And and I'd rather just bet the one side that has the value, but that's, that's just me. That's his life. Uh, so, Gerald, life. so Gerald Everett over two and a half is good value at plus 110. Over two and a half plus one ten one ten is eh break even ish. It's I wouldn't call it good value. Let's see. That's what it is on Chris. Yeah, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't hit that. I might have hit the flea flicker and moved that line. That good. was on Chris. Interesting. Uh yeah. okay. Uh let's knock off some of these other Twitter questions. Um how do you and or most professional bettors balance betting into lower limits opening numbers versus waiting till higher limits. And this is actually something that is not just a prop question. This is a general question, I think, which is a pretty interesting question. So for props, the limits are generally going to be about the same, you know, right. the entire time. Like the Westgate gives you 2000. I think they might go up to, I'm trying to remember if they go up to 3000 Super Bowl weekend, but the stations opens at 1000. They'll go up to 2000 this coming weekend. Generally, for me, what I'm trying to balance is 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 basically blowing up the market. Like if if I know everybody's copying Westgate and I blow up the market on Westgate, you know, I'm blowing up the market everywhere probably. So 
but at the same time, if there's some value and I know other people are going to be going after that same value, if I don't hit it, then I basically kind of have to hit it too. So I'm not really considering the limits quite as much for the prop stuff here because they don't really vary that much. But right. Yeah, but how can, about, how about, how about openers and like, so, you know, our friend Preston, um, I know bets a lot of college football openers and college basketball openers and, the numbers are obviously a lot better and, and he, he moves these bets quite a bit. Um, and I, I've asked him like, you know, why don't you wait and and how do you balance that? And it, I think it, I'll answer it from my standpoint and you can answer from what you think. I think, I think it just, it matters like how much are you able to get down at that? If you're able to get down enough, mm-hmm. then you might as well do that. Although I, although like this is like the Seville people, I think got really pissed at people that were like releasing, overnight baseball stuff um early on but you you bet a lot of overnight baseball stuff also so i bet overnight baseball and i bet dave game baseball right i do both but you bet him with a different philosophy somewhat well overnight i don't know what the lineup is going to be for sure that's what i'm saying like you bet it and, and you respect the market a lot less early on right exactly so you don't need as big an edge early on as you would uh later on right and the other thing is that lines do move so around. You don't, too, do you so like how I deconstruct your mind? I, d- I do. It's like you have a window into my my brain. We okay. are in the same state. What props present the most value if you want to bet them right before kickoff? I assume the obvious answer is unders, but could you be more specific? And we talked a little bit about this, but it, you can. I think it'd be good to touch on it again. Yeah, let's. Well, I'll give out. A, I mean, no overtime. You know, which should be, I think we said minus twelve something, and you're going to be able to get it in minus nine hundred or minus eight hundred, possibly. No safety, which should be like minus sixteen hundred, and you can get it. I'm hoping, you know, some years it's you've gotten a minus six hundred, minus five fifty out there, but but you know, there haven't been a lot of safeties recent in recent Super Bowls, so you know, minus seven hundred, minus eight hundred, still a great bet. No defensive or special teams touchdown. I think hundred minus two hundred. And that's one where it, it's changed in recent years because now kickoffs go back to the 20 touchbacks go back to the 25 yard line. So you don't see the the same number of kickoff returns. So as a result, kickoff return touchdowns. Um, let's see. But you do have but, Cornell and, Patterson who could arguably be the best kickoff. You do, but you have, you have Greg, the leg Zerline who boots everything for a touchback and it's indoors. And I'm sure he's not going to give uh, Cordero Patterson a chance to return anything. Or at least okay, that's fine. Point. We'll see. So yes. And then also unders generally, I mean, wait, especially guys that are, that are big public names. So, you know, if you want, if you want to bet Tom Brady under wait till Sunday, I would say if you want to bet Gurley under probably wait till Sunday as well. And the other thing you have going for you on the, on on those is that um, you know you could benefit from a player getting injured, like a Gurley or a Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods or any of these guys that are on the field and Edelman. Whereas it's you know it's it's an injury is going to hurt you massively there. Whereas if you're you know with a a guy like a, um, a Philip Dorsett or a Cordero Patterson, like. Uh, injuries are more likely to help Cordero Patterson than hurt them because hurt him because he plays such a small fraction of snaps. But if some other guys go down, if someone else goes down, he's going to step up and Rufus. I'm here. Okay. I don't know how good your internet is this time. I think it might be bad, but it's no, probably not that great. It's the Weston. Yeah. Uh, and you were just talking about Cordero Patterson, so if you people didn't hear you, it's not really that big a deal because it's just Cordero Patterson. True. I think um, Jeff, we can I get into it real quick? Portfolio. How about the market? How long did it take the market to correct itself after the initial open? How inflated do overs get as kickoff approaches? We kind of talked about that also. The market um, corrects approximately like a few minutes. What? The mark the market corrects like very close to instantaneously because people are just going to absolutely pound stuff into submission what prop categories are hard to predict with statistics Ooh, and this is probably not let, let's not i mean like the donald trump tweets but but that would yeah. fall in this category and the uh the gatorade tweets or the gatorade uh color of the gatorade but i mean i think 
I think like the what we talked about, some of this stuff is probably pretty hard to predict, right? When 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 there are very so like the the CJ Anderson, you know, Todd Gurley thing is very worrisome because you just don't know what's gonna happen. You have this like very odd situation where someone has been on the team for three games and you have a three sample size, you know, situation to go into. And, you know, clearly Todd Gurley is a much better running back than CG Anderson at this point in their lives. Like there's, there's no way you can convince me that that's not true. Right. So modeling that seems like it would be kind of hard. Um, what other things do you think are hard to predict with statistics? And Jeff, that's a good example of, of of a problem that's presented just generally in the fact that you have guys that are injured and um and so you're you're dealing with like right now the the Patriots don't have Josh Gordon. They you know, they do have um they they don't have Danny Amendola either. They do have Julian Edelman. I haven't but, had Danny Amendola in a while. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean if you look through, I mean Josh Gordon played um from week let's see he was basically getting full-time don't snap have terry from, glenn from week have. six week six to week 15 josh gordon was in there and so and Adam randy was, moss okay jeff okay would you like me to make a valid point or no yeah i understand what your point is your point is that that yeah, let me get there though okay go for it sorry but it, it's tough like i mean so a guy like philip dorsett was playing a ton early in the season because Julian Edelman mm-hmm. was suspended and Josh Gordon hadn't joined the team. Like you look at his snap counts week one, 76% week two, 90% week three, 94%. And then, you know, in the middle of the year when, when Edelman was healthy and Gordon was on the team, he was in like one game, like 7% week eight, like 17% week nine, 23% week 10. And so you know, now that Gordon isn't around, I mean, you're, you're dealing with a smaller sample size here, but you, you have to 16. You know, the, the the narrative is that the Patriots are hard to game plan for because from week to week they do very different things on offense. Yep. Do you think that that translates over to hard for you to predict in terms of usage? Definitely. Completely agree. Um, or at least, yeah. I mean, look at what James White did a few Super Bowls ago when he had like 13 catches and, you know, he could do that again this year or he could have two catches and it could be a game where – where they're just relying on on the running game, and it's all Sony Michelle or something. So we don't really know, but but it's about sort of being able to model that and, and model that uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say like, I don't know. It's like the the props thing is always interesting to me, just because the sample size is one game, right? And so like you know that the 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 sad part about all of it is that like you know like all of this statistical edge and whatnot you're getting like who effing knows if that ever edge is really going to get realized and all these things i think tend a lot of these things that you're betting or that you're thinking about tend to be correlated right because it's basically based on a way you think the game's going to go and so if that game doesn't end up going that way i I remember there was one super bowl that you did horribly because the game went kind of exactly against what you thought it would go right was that the denver carolina one i think so I i don't remember you and I have been friends yeah. for so long. I can't remember all the different times you've told me like either that you won so much money or that you lost so much money. So I, don't know. Just, I mean, I, I, I tried to predict fades into Bolivia, Bolivia. Ah, that's what Michael Tyson said. Fade, I'm gonna just fade into Bolivia. But <laughs> he said that when he did I'm his comeback surprised. fight. I'm not and, surprised he said it. When they, he did his comeback fight, and they're and I think he like lost or either draw, he did terribly, and they were like, "What are you going to do?" He's like, "I'll probably just fade into Bolivia." You think he's ever been to South America? I don't think he even knows what Bolivia is. Yeah, he's probably, probably been to South America. Yeah. Now that you're such a world traveler, I like you throwing shade on Mike Tyson. Bolivia is a different country than South America, though, Jeff. Just like the great state of Chicago is. Uh... South America, I, I don't think South America is a country, is it? Oh, oh, really? Ah. Well, you said it's a different country than South America. That was, but Bolivia is in South America, correct? Yes. We're very good at geography here, apparently, or geometry, as it may be. Um, okay, so let's talk. Is there anything more you want to talk about with props? Let's see. Um, Margaret corrected itself, which is harder quite a bit to predict. Of our props. 
we gave some we gave some things to bet on gave some things to keep an eye on oh you, you did you did ask me where you did mention the sort of correlation but i don't i think i generally have a lot of things that are not correlated so if i look through you know my log like you know if let's say brandon cooks goes under well is it it's also i mean Actually, yeah. That's you have not multiple that's, players. That's not a good example because I'm not as under on the receiving the the Rams receiving. No, but no, if you, I, I, yeah. I I think I understand. Like, if you have multiple bets on unders on wide receivers, those aren't correlated, probably. Exactly. But and, okay. and so many of these game props are completely like uncorrelated. Like, you know, well, actually, high tower over three tackles and assists is like you know number of players to score a touchdown for the Pats. Like, will uh, yeah, I mean, will the first quarter have more points than the fourth quarter? Like Chris Hogan's longest reception, things like that. Like those are those tend to be pretty uncorrelated. Okay, people that I know like the first to score bet. So, is there anyone first to score that would be interesting to you? The first player to score. First player to score. Yeah. So I actually did a little bit of a deep dive here because overall I don't have Sony Michelle as like um, a huge. I wouldn't have had him as a huge favorite i shouldn't say favorite but i wouldn't have had his odds uh i would have had his odds at only let's see nine to one eight point seven to one to score first right but just based on his looking at his overall number of touchdowns and the fact that a rushing touchdown is a little bit more likely as the first score than it is for you know a, a regular whatever regular is score but michelle does seem to get more snaps in the first quarter and more teams rushes than than any of these other guys so i basically went and was like okay let's say the whole game was the first quarter like what percentage of his of the team's rushing touchdowns would i anticipate he would get and so doing that i end up with him at plus 610 but he's kind of the the sort of he's the favorite of the market to score the first touchdown at six to one most places but you can get him at seven seven one plus seven ten and at uh at chris well i think that's a good bet i also think if you can target him for the first team first touchdown for his team um that's that's also a very you, if you can get like three to one or better that's that's going to be a good price additionally i liked um i actually i liked dorset for his team's first touchdown at 10 to 1 i liked cordero patterson for his team's first touchdown at 25 to 1 i make that only 17 to 1 and ooh on the ram side First touchdown, I liked Higby, 40 to 1. I make him 27 to 1. Do you have any opinions on these, Jeff? Uh no, I don't. I like I, I always like the long shot. It's like a really fun, it's one of the most fun bets to bet on. Um, so I mean I'm I might put a little Sony and a little Higby potentially in my portfolio. We'll see. Okay. I actually even got a little Edelman plus 500 to score the Patriots first touchdown. Higby's only plus 2280 on Chris. Yeah. Someone must have whacked that down. Not me. I'm only Uh, betting this stuff in Vegas. Let's see here. What else do we got here? Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the game. Okay. Um, And we, we haven't had a podcast since the conference championships either. So, yeah. Uh, what surprised you about? I mean, like obviously, you know, I had the the Saints in that game. Um, I had the Saints and the Patriots, so was you know one and one. Um, what you know? Did you were you as egregious about the whole Saints missed call as everyone else was? I mean, it, it cost me because I was going to be getting a nice push out of you know if they kick the field goal after that and they win, I get the push on the. Sp- the side and win my total bets and as a result i lost the side and lost well still won the totals but i think wait did the game go over no it went under. no it went under okay um you know i i think the camera angle it was captured at makes it look particularly egregious because of where the ball is and you see but the ball is also kind of coming slightly to the side of where the receiver was and so, um, no, let, in real time, we can't, we can I ask can't, you in real time? Let's let's please thought, not argue about whether it was a bad call or not. It was a well, bad was call. A bad call. It was course. a bad missed call. That's not the argument. The argument is: is this such a big deal? And I, I, I think everyone's making such a big. I mean, I had the Saints right, so I obviously like you know, and I was actually like, I didn't see that 
play live. So I didn't even know that that necessarily happened. But the Saints had plenty of chances to win that game. They had plenty of chances to cover that game. And that play itself, although one important play, they should have been able to overcome that in my mind. I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah, I mean, you could say that about anything that's unfair, though. You can say, oh, well, you know, if they had done all these other things, then it wouldn't have mattered. But that isn't what happened, you know. And it still, right, it still but wasn't. It, it still handicapped the Saints. I it mean, made they it still the Saints. The Saints got the kickoff right in overtime. They very easily could have scored there, and none of it would have mattered. They were dominating them in the first half, and and didn't you know basically put them away in the first half. And I feel like there were times where they were more conservative than they should have been. Um, I I don't think I I don't I didn't leave that feeling like I got screwed. I I left that feeling like. I would have been lucky to have pushed. Yeah, I kind of, I didn't feel like I got screwed either, but you know, yeah. Okay. Pat Mahomes not getting the ball in overtime, egregious or, Hey, those are the rules. Maybe we could change the rules, but I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't think it's that big a deal. Although have you heard? So Seth Byrne actually proposed, I don't, I think. Yeah. The bidding thing for the the bidding. And I've also heard of the California state, the California state high school, like overtime rule where each team, you know, each team gets four plays and they alternate and they start at the 50 yard line and wh- wherever, who, you know, who's that, who, if, if someone scores a touchdown, they win, but who's, who's ever side of the field, the ball is on, you know, loses at, at the end of those eight plays total. So they just run back and forth. Yeah. Like one play for one team, one play for the other team. You can run, you can pass, whatever. All right, well, let's let's move into uh, just the game itself. Uh, you have here some listed some trends about the Super Bowl. Do you think any of these have any meaning? Um, some examples: more gimmick plays. We we talked a little bit about the no flea flicker minus two hundred. So it's not like you're necessarily buying into the more gimmick plays, or are you? You know, I, I just I, I did a detailed look of you know number of non quarterbacks with pass attempts to sort of see if, if teams did pass it, you know, have that higher than their sort of baseline level for the season. And I think they do, but it, it's, it's still hard with, with the sample size to sort of to gauge, you know, you, you do see it more in the Super Bowl than conference championships though. And both of those are most must win games, right? Yeah. Um, but seemingly the Super Bowl is different. I don't know why. Yeah. What about the Patriots not scoring in first quarters? I think that's mostly noise. In fact, I think it's basically all noise. What do you think? Um, yeah, I can't. Again, like when I, whenever I hear these things that are small sample sizes, I need to figure out a reason for it. And this first half versus second half scoring, I think I've almost convinced myself that I believe in that. This uh, Patriots scoring, not scoring first quarter touchdown, I don't think that means anything. I mean, Wait, just so look that, at what they did. Just look at what they did uh, in this last, in this, you know, the, the playoffs so far. Yeah, because before they weren't that that sort of trend had held true for the Patriots in the playoffs before too. But with that whole first half, second half thing, if if normally, let's say it's it's close to a fifty fifty proposition, first half is slightly slightly higher scoring. I think like minus one hundred three. But if in the Super Bowl, it's so far. I think it's like the second half has been higher scoring in maybe fifteen of sixteen, or it's, it's been really high. Like what do you what percentage what would you make that number? And in, in the sorry for the for the two between the first half and the second half. Yeah, yeah. So so mm-hmm. if we say you know it's been seven point difference in Super Bowls. But what's the nor- say, what's the normal difference? First half by, by a slight amount. First, first half, half is half higher scoring than the second half normally. A little bit, right? Because so, the second half you have a lot of games that you know are blowouts and so right, you don't and have, like people yeah. just run the clock out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um. I would I would make the second half. I wouldn't make it seven. I'd probably make it three. You'd make it three. You would book <laughs> second half. I would gladly just pound the first half plus three. Okay, fine. I wouldn't make it three then. <laughs> okay, man, you should open up a book and let me bet. No, no I limits. wouldn't. I wouldn't be like that dude in Carson Valley. Just you know, I would probably put a little bit more thought into this than you just asking me this right now. But um, I mean, maybe maybe I'd make it one and a half. With what? Okay. All right. Anyway, I don't think we know what the right answer is. That's the that's the thing. That, it's definitely not. I don't think it's seven. I don't no, think it's no, zero. Somewhere it's in between. Seven. What's that? 
Nobody thinks it's seven. Books are booking minus a half with the second half is like minus 125. Right. So they think it's like one and a half, maybe. Maybe. Uh, okay. Um, let's talk about the game. Like, what's the, you know, this is, this is it. This is the Super Bowl. You know, if you were someone that was sitting on a bunch of Patriots futures and you looked at this game and it's Rams, what is it? Rams minus, sorry, Rams plus two and a half. And the money line is something like uh minus 140 plus 120 kind of thing. What say you, what are you going to do on this game? I'm, I'm going to bet the Rams plus three. You're going to wait till it gets to three. Yeah. I've, I've taken a little bit of three when, when it's gotten there. And do you think, think it will get there? It's a good question. You know, someone was talking about how you get a lot of action in Vegas on this, on the weekends. And, and it, the fact it, it, it touched three last weekend, but what I'm kind of curious about, and I know this isn't the the global market, but but in Vegas in particular, because that's where I am, is the fact that the Rams are a California team going to impact that? The fact that you have so many people driving up from LA to Vegas. I don't think that's going to impact the Super Bowl. I don't. I don't, have, think this, I don't. I don't. I just don't see that. Like, no, I, I mean, in, in fact, the, I, the the numbers in Vegas. I don't think this goes to three. I don't. I think this. I think. I think this has a much greater chance to go back down because I think that everyone that is analytically driven believes this line should be even or the Rams should be favored. Like, there's no one that's looking dispassionately at these two teams and their statistics and is saying that the Patriots should be a three point favorite. I agree, but this is also the one game a year where the public action is overwhelmingly driving the line moves. The amount, well, the ratio, the don't ratio. You think there's a bunch of people waiting on the sidelines that are waiting for it to get to three, and they just like it's just, I just don't see it. I mean, I think there's going to be so much money that comes in at that number. But on the here's Rams. the thing how much sharp money can possibly come in relative to how much square money there is? There's so much more money being bet by squares than any other game that no matter what, that the number of you know, the amount of money so should is we, should we make a line. should we make a wager on the on you know, whether it you know, gets or whether it closes minus three, minus one ten. I don't think it I think it'll actually I still think it'll close at two probably, but I also don't I think there'll be public money coming in. <laughs> I like on the that you're arguing with me, but you still would say that it's gonna go to two. Right. I'm just saying it's gonna be public money that's gonna t- determine it. But at the same time, Jeff, the line has hit plus three in Vegas. And and plus South Point had plus three minus one ten. It lasted like fifteen minutes. But a few books have plus three minus one twenty right now. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I I have the Patriots futures, so and I'm a Patriots fan, and so it's a very challenging position for me to be in. Bet Patriots plus three minus one twenty. Hope the game lands with Patriots winning by two. That's or one. probably what I'll end up doing. What did you um? What did you? What do you make the total? Good question. I make it slightly lower. Hold on, I have to pull up my sheet for it. I make it, I think, fifty-four and a half. What do you make it? I th- I think it's gonna. I like the under. I mean, I I would like them. I would like it to go up more. Um, you know, on game day. But if it got up in like the fifty-eight, fifty-nine range, I think I'd like the under. But you just told me before that Super Bowls are different and they're higher scoring. Yeah, but I think that's priced in. Okay. 54.2. That's my number. Yeah. I mean, I think these teams, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Like these teams, you could see them running more than they normally do. Although the Rams, when they've been in these shootouts, they've, you know, like in that, in that, in that uh, Kansas city game, they didn't, I don't think they ran hardly at all. Well, I mean, Anderson had like what? 16 carries Gurley had four. But I, I think the Patriots a, have definitely decided they need to run to, to protect Brady. So, and they've decided their offensive line and Gronk can open real holes. So, I could see them trying to run a fair amount, I, especially. I could when, also. Sorry, you could see also what. No, but I I could also see a game where they pass the ball fifty times and just throw a bunch of digs and dunks, depending on how the Rams' defense plays it. Like they, the Patriots will take what the defense gives them. Yeah. And so if it got up to 59, you would like the under, wouldn't you? Of course. 
And I, I'm, I have so many props correlated with the under anyway. And I've played some, like I bet I played under 71 and a half at minus 500. So I played some alternate totals. <laughs> that sounds like a really unfun bet to have. So it's one of those cliff jumper bets. Yup. All right. Well, that's our Super Bowl podcast. Rufus, got anything else you want to talk about? No, it's let's let's hope things work out well this year. Pretty comprehensive. Um, yeah. So good luck, guys. Uh, go Patriots. Hopefully, some of you guys got some Patriots futures early on in the year when we we're talking about it on this podcast. Um, what what do your futures average out at? Like six to one, something like that. Something like that. I don't remember. Oh, do we have Jeff? Are we are we making official picks on the Super Bowl game though? Well, you have an official pick on the Rams, right? I, I, I don't think I, I, I. What's that? I, I will. I haven't blogged anything, but my my combo line is Rams minus 0. 0.7 points. We don't we don't have a, an official play on it. Our model does not have a play on the game at all. But I definitely believe the value is on the Rams. But obviously, as a Patriots fan, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to know about your game grades because I was curious to see like. What, was there a world where if you believe that the Patriots are are playing at a higher level or do things at a higher level that that this line is justified? Um, you know, like when I this is like when you try to justify, you don't use analytics to actually make decisions, you use them to justify decisions. That that's kind of what I was trying to do. Okay. That's sorry, I did not do adequate prep. Okay. All right, guys, thanks for listening. And we'll probably take a week off after the Super Bowl, but then we'll be back and we'll start doing guests and whatnot in the offseason. So um, enjoy the Super Bowl and go Patriots. Crunching all the numbers in the simulated system to break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to engines running off a of leaded. None of it's organic. It all-